Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to the AEW Rampage review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Hamflet from What Culture, to review everything that happened on Friday night's episode of Rampage Baby. Uh, but before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AEW Rampage, but also AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, NXT 2.0, oh! pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a buddy quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Hamlet as Michael Sidgwick enjoys a well-earned couple of weeks off to talk all about. Hey, I just met you. This is crazy, but here's my number. This is baby. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest, right? Yeah. This was already going to be an afterthought. This show, mm-hmm. Ring of Honor, Death Before Dishonor, and you know everything going on on Dynamite. And then Friday night happened, yeah. and, well... One of the most overshadowed wrestling shows of all time, I would imagine. It didn't... Yeah, it's it's especially tricky to talk about this on a on a Monday after the pay-per-view that this was half-building to. Yeah, this is sort not of like, go-home show, wasn't it? We've got, like, a policy here, haven't we? Which I don't know if people have noticed before, but it's not really something we speak about. We just sort of let it happen naturally, I guess. When... And WWE are doing this with frustrating regularity. But when there's a pay-per-view on a Saturday especially... If the SmackDown leading into it uh, obviously feeds in, as they always do, it would be redundant as reviewing it on a Monday, yeah. right? Because the pay-per-views happened. We've probably talked about that to some degree, covering it live or the following morning. So there is absolutely no point covering SmackDown. You have to go forward. We weren't in that position quite with this Rampage. There was stuff that happened on this Rampage that was just AEW-centric. Mm-hmm. There were a few things that happened that were running on a base. That it's obviously hard for us to talk about without knowing how things followed through. Or I guess they'll just not feel as vital as they might have once done on Friday. And there'll be hopefully some death before this on a coverage coming in bits and bobs later in the Yeah, week. we'll probably chat about it more on the Dynamite preview this week. But this is kind of, I guess, this falls into a, a problem, maybe. Is it a problem? I don't know. The AEW is a place for both when there are things that need focusing on it. At the moment, it is, if it incubates this Ring of Honor output, then there's a place where it has to be spoken about. But if that's at the expense of AEW television, we couldn't. if we just didn't do this rampage... Well, I mean, Sidgwick's not on it, so I imagine some people just skip once they hear my voice at the start. <laughs> but if we didn't do this Rampage review, then 
I dare say that that would be neglectful of the other AEW stuff that happened. Yeah. Or it would we like to kind of cover everything so that the storylines that factor into Rampage and Dynamite are all at least you know we're across them all. Mm. It's tricky. It's a it's a, a strange time, but I this Friday in particular was uh, particularly difficult I think for Rampage to even attempt to get any of the headlines. Which, being honest, it didn't anyway. No. Like strictly speaking, as a show, um, I mean, it was fine and functional as far as promoting. a uh, a pay-per-view went on a Saturday, but otherwise, nothing here was ever designed to grab that. Nothing was here was designed to grab headlines, and it just happened that the requirement was to grab the biggest headline in the last 25, 30 yes. years of North American wrestling history. So it was, it was going to struggle this one. Yeah, if you want to know our thoughts on the whole Vince McMahon retirement thing, by the way, check out the SmackDown review, because the first half an hour of yeah. that is, is us discuss, discussing all of that. Sorry for those that really want to get to the new Vicious Viking Raiders. <laughs> just have to wait. Uh, so let's talk about Rampage, though, because the show immediately opened with former world champion... They seem to forget that sometimes. Hangman Page and John Silver versus Butcher and the Blade. Um, early on, they dominate because Silver's starting the match off, but in comes Hangman Page, who looked great, get a great hot tag. Dives onto Butcher and Blade on the floor, flying Lariat for a two-count on Blade. But then Butcher pulls Hangman out to the floor and sends him into the guardrail a few times to take us to a break. Um, when we come back, uh, Hangman finally gets over to tag in Silver, who runs wild. Flapjack on Blade and Olympic Slam for a two count. Somewhat a point during this, Blade got busted open. And yeah. my God, it looked great. No what offense. A, what like what color for a, like? It's an AW thing at this point, isn't it? Like even when they're not, we would assume instructing wrestlers to blade and make it look good. You get the blade mm. making it look good. <laughs> like apropos of absolutely nothing. Uh, he uh, managed to fight back and hit a doctor bomb on Silver for a two count. Hangman comes in, dumps Blade to the floor. Hard strikes between him and the Butcher. Butcher goes for a German suplex, but Hangman lands on his feet, hit a rolling lariat, and went for the buckshot. Um, Blade tries to pull him off the apron, so he can't do it. So Hangman does that moonsault off the apron to the floor, which looked great. Uh, Silver comes in, hits Butcher with a German suplex, and then Hangman hit the buckshot lariat on Butcher for the one, two, three. Decent victory for these two. I, I, just really struck with what are they doing right now with a former world champion? Because, like, it was a great performance here, mm. but, you know, this didn't strike me as, oh, this guy was champ about six months ago. Yeah, I'm all over the shop with this one. I didn't think this match was very good. The Butcher and the Blade looked to be having a bit of an off night, and it's not the first they've had lately, which is less than ideal. Um, I didn't go wild for the John Silver fire-up spot, like you're supposed to, the yeah. little Tasmanian devil running through everybody thing. Conversely, I did really like Hangman Page's little yeah. flurry. He at least, and I said this about Becky Lynch and Dana Brooke, so I'm going to try and apply the same sort of metrics here. This didn't feel like a star being relegated no. to a position they couldn't escape from. If anything, it felt like a star that felt intentionally bigger than the situation they were in. So in that respect, I guess Hangman Page remains a made man, even if the booking feels a little bit unfocused. But yeah, this just was so... One of the problems, I think, with AEW's pacing, and we talk about it a lot on Dynamite, where it's like, well, you've got this thing, but it's on to the next one. You've got this thing, it's on to the next one. Is this felt so inconsequential. Mm. Seconds later, and I mean literally seconds later, Hangman Page gets the win. It's like, there he is. Here he is with John Silver. John Silver, the Dark Order can't buy a win for loving the money now. But once Hangman Page is stepping in, yeah. then everything's going to be fine because he's the ex-world champion. It's this big deal. Um, and it, yeah, it absolutely told that story. Seconds later, when you're moving on to the next thing, as is AEW's pacing, they are requiring the audience to just bank that in their own mind palace rather than being told to spend time with it here. Mm. You've now got to watch this match, 
infer from it that everything is fine with Hangman Page. He's this big deal. He's a big star. He kind of eats these guys for breakfast, which should infer that down the line he's going to get a title shot. He st- he's still a top guy. Yeah. But nothing they're doing overtly is giving you the signals. It's all stuff that you just ha- kind of have to maintain in your mind. I, I love, I've you know been very outspoken in how much I love the potential elite law returning via this thing with the Young Bucks and Matt Jackson specifically. The shadow of Kenny Omega looms large over everything and everybody, as as it should. But, yeah, I, I, I wasn't left wanting them to go back to the ring and find Hangman Page and John Silver still there toasting the celebrations. And he's, they've not got many stars at the moment. No. If anything, you don't change your plans, but maybe pivot ever so slightly to involve Hangman Page more so when you are so short on your big names. Yeah. He's gone from someone who's rightly pissed off that he was overlooked mm. for the, the Battle Royal and what have you and... You know, Moxie's the interim champion, despite the fact that he never really got a shot at that because he was busy with someone. I remember he was fighting someone, David Finley or someone. Was yeah, it? and and is it the sort of thing at the moment where you're supposed to be? Where is he having doubts? Is he um, just is he trying to remain laid back and just let whatever happens happens until his time comes again? But again, like it's a it's just there's a lot of infer it, like inferences rather than anything overt being mm. laid out for you, and that's that's fun and games. But I'm not sure like. People are going to Google what's going on on one page, or they're just going to forget him until they're told otherwise. Mm. Um, anyway, we got a hype video next uh, for the uh, Ring of Honor Pure Championship match at Death Before Dishonor between the brilliant Daniel Garcia and Wheeler Utah, um, highlighting the feud between the two of them and the accident that uh, I forgot about this mm. that nearly uh, well nearly ended Garcia's career. Basically, six months took out to recover for his leg, and they were he was going to. They were both going to embarrass each other and go to war, basically. It's a super which nice, they did. They did. It was a great match. It's a super nice detail, and I think that I think we can talk about, even though we know the result of the match. Um, they reminded you again. It's funny that you say forgot about it. This was a really timely opportunity to talk about this. Garcia probably is a is a victim a little bit here of emotional blackmail, but also feels um, indebted to Chris Jericho. And he's joined the Jericho Appreciation Society because he feels financially indebted to him for what Jericho did for him during that time, but also a little bit emotionally bound to him as well, where really he is the wrestler that should be in the Blackpool Cup. He was named in that original Moxley Bryan thing as a guy that should be combat club. And then he rocks up on Saturday night in the Burgundy of William Regal of Brian Danielson. Mm-hmm. He wrestles in a way where at various points Regal was like, well, like, I don't like to see it against my man Willie Eater, but fair play. Like that's the sort of stuff you want to see. So he's even caught in the Blackpool Combat Club, knowing where he really belongs. Yeah. But they're just reminding you why why he went Jericho when deep down Raw Root and eventually, come on, put this petty nonsense to one side. You're a Blackpool Combat Club guy. And uh, not to go off on another tangent, but I loved the clip that was leaked of, I assume it's you are doing some sort of presser or something afterwards, and, or maybe just chatting was backstage. The, was this the scrum? Yeah, when, when Garcia, Garcia comes in, in yeah. and goes, you didn't beat me. You yeah. said you are going to embarrass me. You are going to contort me and you know make me submit. Well, roll up. Mm. That's it. It's, it was a nice way. It didn't at all feel like a stole one, but Garcia has every right to be annoyed. And the fact that he remains in the Blackpool Combat Club's eyeline with the Brian Dinosaur match on Dynamite this week is just really ec- excellent matchmaking. Uh, speaking of uh, Death Ball Dishonor, though, Claudio Castagnoli comes down uh, to cut a promo about facing Jonathan Gresham for the world title. He said the world championship is the thing that's eluded him his whole career. Uh, he knew he was the best because the fans have always supported him and treated like he was the best. He's going to win the title, prove that he's the best. He said, Gresham, you might be the foundation, but that's about to crack. The next chapter is going to begin. Uh, and on s- Saturday, you'll hear and new Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion. Uh, and we see up in the 
Rafters, Tully Blanchard Enterprises, which is not a thing seemingly anymore. No, I was just going to say this uh, this reviewing their job, this reviewing those shows after other shows have happened is easy. This because I was like, yep, not bad promo, and he did what he said, so good. Done, <laughs> and I thought that's easy. And then I remembered the Tully Blanchard Enterprise bit, and we know nothing of what's going on with them. No. If you, I saw online, you can buy a Tully Blanchard Enterprises T-shirt, mm-hmm. which at this point features a name of a stable that no longer exists the namesake of the stable, Tully Blanched himself in the background, that is no longer with the company, or with either AEW or Ring of Honor, and Jonathan Gresham, who has left as well. So that is basically a collector's item of the Gates of Agony and Brian Cage that were in a stable that were named as such with as a foursome for all of, what, three weeks? Mm-hmm. That no longer exists. You had about 24 hours to buy that T-shirt where it was actually accurate. <laughs> uh, we got a hype video for uh, Wardlow. It'll hmm. be the shiznit, in the words of JR, out of anyone, uh, AW Ring of Honor, any other locker room, he'll defend the TNT Championship against all comers. Good. Yeah. A nice way to build him, remind you that he exists. And high time, I think, that Wardler had something to do. Mm. Like, brand, 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 brand new. He's got the title. He should be defending it nearly every week. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really enjoyed the match that came next. It was uh, Dante Martin versus Lee Moriarty. Matt Seidel's there. It just It's just for fun. Guys, it's just, just, just fun. Um, and they're both good at technical wrestling. Uh, that's what Moriarty uses to sort of ground Dante Martin early on. But he uh, he works through some counters and starts to uh, uh, attempt some bits. And Moriarty counters it, but eventually um, he manages to hit Moriarty with a is it La Magistral, yeah. I think it's called. Um, Moriarty kicks out, though, takes Martin down, and you just see... The edge start coming through on Lee Moriarty. Martin hits a drop kick, sends Moriarty to the floor, um, and he pauses and lets Moriarty back into the ring. So he puts him in a guillotine <laughs> choke. Um, Moriarty responds with a headlock takeover. He starts elbowing Martin's face. You just see he's starting to get pissed off. He's starting to just hit a little bit harder than this two, this is two mates having a fight whilst dad watches on, mm-hmm. basically. Uh, Dante Martin hits a flur- flipping Hurricane Rana um, on Moriarty and then a flying crossbody for a two count. Suddenly, Stokely Hathaway appears on the ramp uh, and gets for Moriarty's eye and uh, he puts Martin in the border city stretch and Martin has to get to the ropes to escape. Um, Martin, though, great at counters, does it again. Uh, half and half bomb, but Moriarty kicks out. Goes for the nosedive, but Moriarty dodges it. Gets rolled up. But then he reverses the roll-up and then just at the last second grabs onto the ropes for leverage and gets the one, two, three. Moriarty just teasing a little turn to the dark side, perhaps. Post-match, Seidel gets on the mic and says, oh, is that really how you want to win this? Well, bollocks here. Next week on Rampage, it's not the it's not the mentee, it's the mentor you are going to be facing. We're going to fight. And uh, we also see that uh, Stokely Hathaway offers Moriarty a card. He doesn't take it, Mm -hmm. but he teases a heel turn, and I really liked it. Yeah, I wasn't as high on the match as you were, but then the more I kind of thought about it, and this might be because we've just finished recording the SmackDown review, it's the sort of match that is just not exponentially better, but there's just more emotion, there's more creative expression to it than your common or garden WWE TV match. You know, and it's not just because it's, you know, the, the, the two wrestlers in question here either. It's just that they're allowed to wrestle a match that is storyline-driven without following beat, 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 beat. And I think, like, nothing summed it up better than the finish because the roll-up had to be where it was for Moriarty to look like he was being opportunistic, even though he'd been, like, subtly cheating a little bit or certainly seeing the benefits of the dark side yes. earlier in the match. I loved how even the commentary 
authoritarian as they are and credible as we're supposed to take them, like maybe it was just a momentum, dragged them into the ropes and didn't want to believe what they were seeing and what we could see, which was the arm went out, took the three count, took the win. It was ill-gotten. Because then when Moriarty says no thank you to the card, or at least kind of blows off mm-hmm. Stokely Hathaway, that creates that plausible deniability, doesn't it? Exactly. And maybe these were just a set of circumstances that happened to favor Moriarty this time. This is preview fodder, but I'm not working Friday, so I'm going to sneak this in right now. I have a feeling that Matt Seidel being like intentionally so lame dweeb, like he's looking <laughs> for a wrestling guy. Yes, I think Moriarty might join up with Stokely, but I'm starting to think that Dante Martin will too. Ooh. And if we go back, Dante Martin was courted as the hot young star before, wasn't he? And the, the little team Taz, uh, got you. But I wonder if he's realized the error of his ways and thought maybe I probably should have made that for mm-hmm. real and stuck with them. And the fact that like top flight might not be together now, but if and when they come back as a team are under Stokely, a manager that could really help them. Yeah. Which we said is he's there yeah, more yeah. to help people rather than be somebody that kind of gets in the way with Jade Cargill. Moriarty in top flight as people that would benefit from Stokely as a promo guy. I don't know. I've painted a picture in my mind. I like mm. the look of it. And I just wonder if um, the whole point of Seidel challenging was like, like that, like Martin or Stew on that little bit. Mm. Like, don't patronise me, dickhead. He did like, seem a bit of a backhanded, like, well, right, you've done the easy yeah, thing now, yeah, and like, now facing me. I lost by cheating. We all know that. I could have beaten him. Like, and I wonder if this is all, it's like Stokely's influence is going to roll mm. out to Martin as well. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help? A try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Then we got a video package for Serena Deeb and Mercedes Martinez. And then the tag match, Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter versus Sky Blue and Ashley Damboise. <laughs> yeah. Framboise, is that raspberries in uh, Framboise. French? Framboise. 
What's chambois? Is that something that you get at like Christmas somewhere? Have I just made up a word? Chambois. Chambois, yeah. You see the adverts for it at Christmas. Liqueur. Like liqueur. A little like liqueur. <laughs> liqueur. <laughs> liqueur. <laughs> liqueur. Let's just try framboise. I believe it is a... Uh, Je voudrais le fromage. Framboise in English. Framboise in English. Raspberry! That's because I used to like French raspberry yogurts. Anyway, her name wasn't that. Her name le, was actually Le, le weekend, le weekend dernier, uh, je jouerai de foot avec mes amis sur la plage. <laughs> that was last weekend. I played football on the beach with my friends because we did not learn French. We learned sentences to say it that would get us an A in GCSE. Exactly. Because our French teacher knew the moderators. <laughs> <laughs> so I could go to France and do nothing but uh, tell somebody, a complete stranger, that the weekend I played. Uh, Pour faire Ottoman, il faut être fou. What's that? that means? To do anything else, you must be mad. <laughs> Why do I know that line of French that I, I can't possibly apply to an actual, like, sort of fluent <laughs> sentence with somebody? WWE promo class. Say it like this and don't say in anything else. That was exactly else. it. He would line it up as a, the boots, and it would be the goals, and it would be these, like, these. here's your eight tappings. Memorize three or four of these. <laughs> You're golden. <laughs> so anyway, Britt Baker and Jamie Hay versus Sky Blue and Ashley Dumboise. Uh, and they batted him. Uh, Sky Blue immediately got hit with a super kick from uh, Baker. Hater stumps her in the corner. Baker chokes Blue whilst the referee's not looking. Sweeps the leg, does Baker on the apron, and uh, hit this twisting, I think it's called the twist and shout. Mm. Uh, it's just tw- brutal yeah. onto the floor. Completely needless as well. <laughs> it was completely in control. Uh, and then they wrecked Ashley as well, and uh, they hit a series of moves where you're like, okay, you can just pin her now. It's done now. They're like, nope. Like a hidden blade, I think, was in there. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, um, they made uh, Ashley Damboise uh, tap out via the locked jaw. Um, you weren't a fan of this. No, I got the cruel and unusual punishment element of it. I did. They're wanting to look like big deals. All of this theoretically should exist, like in kayfabe, should exist for Rick Baker to be back in title contention. And they want to show just how dominant and dangerous they can be as a tag team to make Thunderstorm be looking over their shoulder, even though you know the challenges here were not the caliber of a thunderstorm and if anything it's quite good heel logic to be like let's just batter these because like this will really like sort of give thunderstorm th- something to think about when thunderstorm are like mm. we well, wouldn't be able to do that to us i just thought the whole thing felt like it was being wrestled in treacle mm. everything was worked at this glacial pace ultimately it is the job of and i don't need to tell tony khan this he doesn't need to listen to some doofs on a podcast even though we do know that they all listen and mm. thank you for your subscribes as always but this is what happens when you don't nurture a star off the back of a significant loss. Yeah. John Moxley lost the world title to Kenny Omega in 2020, and did he feel like he lost a day? If anything, it felt like he was a man on a quest for justice. There was a real sweet and like, really neatly plotted segueing of him into the tag team thing with Eddie Kingston against the Young Bucks when they turned as well and revealed the scale of the elite plot and all that kind of thing. And Moxley never felt, if anything, the thing was... When's he going to get what he's due, which is a fair crack at this title? You were just waiting for him to build again. And Moxley's an amazing talent, but the booking took care of him. Britt Baker has been sidelined, often just doing a promo interruption or less. And then all of a sudden, it's a feeling. It's a vibe. AW is the vibes and the feelings promotion, and she does not feel like what she did. And they just simply have not nurtured that character and that star aura off the back of the Lost of Thunder Rosa. And no tag team feud set up by interruptions is going to fix that. And this match wasn't very good either. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I also don't want to know how they got the sandbag back because I thought they gave that to Thunderstorm. 
and they got it back. It's like those poor money in the bank holders have to get it through customs. They're now travelling with the sandbag. <laughs> uh, right, then it was time for the rap battle. Um, first of many, potentially, with Simon Miller stealing my gimmick. Oof, I've heard about this. Did a rap on uh, Rampage Ups and Downs, mm. and I was like, that's gimmick infringement, brother. Streets are talking, Wilbon. What are you going to do about that? You said the Rampage rap last week returned for one week only. Mm. Is this going to be now used and abused for you to lay down a diss track at Simon Miller's expense? There was that period, wasn't there, on YouTube a few years ago where they were just everyone was just like, diss tracks, yeah. doing diss tracks. I'm going to do a just diss track on PewDiePie or KSI because <laughs> they're the biggest. So there you go. And there was just like weird, every single person, friend or like, it'd be like us doing it and me going, I'm going to do a diss track on Michael Hamlet and then he's going to do one back on the channel as well because it does money and numbers. <laughs> uh, but yeah. You point your middle finger down the lens. Streets don't forget. Nah. Streets don't forget. Middle so. finger straight at the lens going, Miller, give this an up. <laughs> you must be a bitch because I'm going to hammer you like a pup. Rhymes with Miller. <laughs> Thriller? Spiller? You could be Adam Wilborn. All killer, no Miller. Patrick Miller. Miller versus Willer. Fulfill her? Not really. Schiller. Hitler. I mean... <laughs> you can't do that. Right, rap battle time. Uh, there was a Lil. There was a Lil. Lots of good Lil rappers. Mm. Uh, it was Lil Scrappy who was the judge here. Lil Miller. <laughs> it was Austin Gunn versus Max Caster. Fair play to Austin Gunn. He was quite good here. Yeah. Almost too good. Well, I don't have an ear for this, so I don't, I'm don't. i not going to sort of sit here and uh, be overly critical of the work of the rappers specifically, but as a wrestling fan, I don't know. Maybe I'll just lay out how it was paced, but Austin Gunn was too good. Mm. And they kind of, they missold you almost. We talked about this. So like the way to do this is the gag where somebody's actually brilliant. And you're like, what? But then when you do that and it's the heel, Max Caster has to have even more in his back yeah. pocket. He's like, well, I didn't think I would need to go to this, but here I go. And then you're like, what? And then the first guy's like, what? And that's how it plays out. I was watching this going, what? Yeah, so early on, I've not written down the raps. No. Uh, but uh, Bobby Sister's line was cute. Bobby Sister's line. Couldn't please Chris Statlander when they were dating. Yeah. Uh, as a reference to Caster's dad being in the NFL and having to retire or having a bad career or whatever it was. Caster's got a There's a bit tongue. of a casual, casual gay joke about Anthony Bones that I wasn't best pleased about. Yeah, Wide receiver or something like that. Or tight end or something, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, kind of up himself, kind of. Um, yeah, so like you say, Caster fired back, did some... Good lines. And Austin was good again, mm. saying Cena wants his gimmick back. And then Caster, yeah, Caster's clearly a better rapper, yeah. but not to a sufficient extent because be- to, to send, right, I mean, let's get this all in order here. Caster talks about he's been a star since Billy was called The One. Uh, he talks about gun control, about Pokemon, about bad reality TV shows. He just gives him a bill and all this, right? And I was like, that's good. And then all of a sudden, Austin Gunn just choked, couldn't talk, said, I'm not an ass boy. Yeah. And then there's a big brawl, right, after the acclaimer declared the victors. and uh, They beat him, beat down the acclaimed, hit Max Caster with a garbage can, which was quite good. Mm-hmm. But I was like, this, there, this hasn't joined up right. Because the point should be, it's a rap battle, so you, let's say you have three rounds, Austin Gunn, first round, oh my God. And then you realise, oh, he's used all of his good material. He's worked really hard on all this all this week long. 
the moment he's been fired back up by Max Caster, who's unaffected because he's mm-hmm. been in rap battles before, he's like, oh, I'm starting to doubt myself. And he slowly, slowly starts to slip. It was just like, good rap, good rap, choke. Yeah. It should be good rap, bad rap, then choke. Mm-hmm. It wasn't knees weak, mom spaghetti, was it? No. He just kind of, yeah, that's it. You've nailed exactly what kind of my problem was with watching this. And as well, like Caster didn't, didn't exactly. It was like, a scorched he, earth, didn't was it? Didn't him, did he? It was, oh, I, I don't think it's worked. The beatdown was the lame, fake. Oh, how was this? <laughs> this was the one thing we didn't <laughs> want to happen. Mm, it's dismissed. It's also like the random people that I love, they have in these segments. Are just yeah. Like, yeah, with the hype, man. Where's your shirt? Do you know what this was missing? Mickey Gooch. Mickey Gooch. We needed the Gooch in Oh, yeah, reacting. We needed the then. Gooch. Yeah. Uh, right, then we have the bit before the main event, and uh, Jay Lethal gets asked a question. Chris Daniels is like, I'll take it. <laughs> and he says, look, stop talking smack about Samoa Joe. He'll bat your head in on Saturday. Get on with your catchphrase, Mark Henry. And I thought the exact same thing. Well, looks like we've had enough time. It's time for the main event. I don't do this review very often. I cannot believe that you have figured out a way to justify however many seconds that is of people's valuable listening time with that. How do you get to the mid-roll every week? Charlatan behaviour. Also, hearing Mark Henry talk like that reminds me of like when I hear a wrestler's theme on Monday Night Raw at normal speed. <laughs> and tranquilizers or something. What's going on? So yeah, it was Jay Lethal versus Christopher Daniels. We all knew what way this was going to go because mm-hmm. Jay Lethal's challenging for the TV title at Ring of Honor, yeah. Death Before Dishonor. Um... He attacks Daniels before the music even finishes. But Daniels, he's a smart cat. He uh, avoids that, hits a few moves of his own to start us off, but Lethal starts hitting suicide dives to the floor. Well, suicide dive to the <laughs> floor. He does some more <laughs> later on. Um, when the referee's backs turns, Sanjay Dutt, I can't dislike Sanjay Dutt, I've realised. Sanjay Dutt's got a special place in my heart. Because of that pencil over his ear. It's the pencil over the ear. It's the memory of Alvarez putting him over when all the crap was going on in TNA. He was mm. always like, poor mm-hmm. Sanjay son, son Dutt. He's been put through the bloody ring here. Do. And there's just something about him. Like, this, he's got his role here. Yeah. I know he's never said he's never going to wrestle again. Mm. So, yeah, having what's on that Daniels when the referee's not looking. Like, lethal needs it. He brings Daniels back into the ring. Uh, Daniels counters an uppercut with a backslide. Lethal kicks out and hits a backbreaker. Then a cartwheel into a drop kick. Tries to hit the muscle buster. I like that <laughs> on Christopher Daniels. Daniels fights out of it, though. Uh, goes for a drop kick from the middle rope, but Lethal just steps to the side like Joe would. Yep. Uh, hit a super kick to Daniels. Daniels, though, fires back. Flying knee. Uh, STO on Lethal. Even hit a blue thunderbomb for a two count. Calls to the BME, uh, but Lethal gets up and hits the Lethal combination. Goes for the uh, big macho man flying elbow. Um, but Daniels gets his foot up, but Lethal's got that scouted, so he just lands on his feet, takes the leg, goes to put him in a figure four, uh, but gets rolled up by Christopher Daniels. Lethal kicks out, hits a boot, uh, attempts it once, doesn't hit it the first time, but eventually hits the lethal injection for the one, two, three. And then post-match, Satnam Singh gorilla presses Christopher Daniels onto the floor from like 10 feet in the air. Um, Lethal puts him in the rear naked choke and Sanjay Dutt yells down to the camera uh, about Samoa Joe, what they're going to do to him on Saturday and snaps his pencil at the end. Yeah, the Joe stuff, which obviously now is redundant, it added a bit of flavour to this. It was otherwise exactly what you would have expected. I was just sat watching wrestling happening rather than watching a wrestling match between two old pros that know exactly what to do. The kind of match they could have in their sleep. um, 
I can understand why the fans weren't really up for it because they're probably long into the tapings at this point and this is not really a main event feeling thing. Uh, I didn't really... I, I will look more for it, by the way, but I, I, I wasn't getting a lot out of the Dutt Satnam Singh accompaniment at ringside. Not mm-hmm. as much as I eventually got, to be fair, out of the match at Death Before Dishonour, which I think was a slight over-delivery, actually. Um, but yeah... Jay Lethal doing the job stuff to set up the match was neat. Was Shout nice. out to Chris, Col- uh, Chris Coleman. Who's that? That's the former, the former Wales, Sunderland manager. Sunderland Wales, manager. Caprice He's Coleman. He's with six kids. <laughs> Got me a brick. <laughs> Caprice Coleman. Yeah. Oh, I just put him on commentary all the time. I love it. He's him. excellent, isn't he? Absolutely excellent. Yeah, otherwise, not a lot to this one. Um, I see why they use Daniels in this role. I sense that they'll be there every now and then as a ring of honour. You know, like, standing, emotional, evocative type figure. But, eh. But this is now, man. This is now. This episode of Rampage was nothing. I'm so sorry. Like normal service won't be resumed next week either because Sidgwick's still off. But I don't know how enthusiastic you guys get about this on the Mondays. But I just wasn't feeling much of this. No, it was. It was very. It was sort of now, neither now nor summer in yeah. terms of. I watch like Dark and Dark Elevation every week, and I feel like I'm getting more narratively about the being able to track the progression of people than I am from watching Rampage on the Friday. Like Rampage, the issue we've talked about before is this is not necessarily appointment, appointment viewing. And no. I get it, if it's been taped, it's difficult to, you know, don't watch, don't find out, as we don't find out as spoilers, but, you know, casual fans may want to. And then why would you watch, you know, yeah. at that specific time, you just catch up whenever you want. Now, to make sure you definitely watched, and the fact it was a semi-go-home show for Death Before Dishonor just meant that, like, especially now, but even at the time, you were like, cool, so this is just uh, effectively a glorified road to. I mean, and how dare they? It was Fighter Fest Night 4. <laughs> how could they blow I that? about that. <laughs> Forgot about it with the shark stuff. I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, shark stuff. Right. Yeah, not yeah, ideal, I this. I don't know. I, it, be intrigued to see what number this does. Yeah. I guess Rampage's numbers haven't been that great, and Miz and Miss has been smoking it, hasn't it? Like, yes. It, which is, I don't, that's not a dig particularly. Miz, they're sort of targeting different audiences, but it's telling that it's not particularly commanding the interest. Maybe AW are really happy with it. Maybe it's purpose serving for them, if nothing else. It just doesn't feel particularly essential as a viewer. Hmm. No, exactly. Well, let us know your thoughts on AW Rampage on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, well, actually, they can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. And if you're a fan of AW, you can get your hands on Becoming All Elite, The Rise of AW, Michael Sidgwick's brilliant book that he's reading himself by the pool on holiday <laughs> probably right now. Hi, uh, I read up to one book a year, and in 2021, it was that one. It absolutely ruled. Mm. Pick it up. Yeah, check it out on Amazon. Uh, follow us all at What Culture WWE, as I said. Make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. The SmackDown Review with all of our thoughts on Vince McMahon's retirement is available right now, and our preview for Monday Night Raw is coming your way later on today. But for now, this has been the AW Rampage Review. My thanks to Michael Hamflet. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. 
Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.